Here's everything you might have missed in Vox Machina Season 2, Episodes 7 through 9. Welcome back to Nerdist News. I'm Hector Navarro, and today things are getting wild. Feywild, that is, because we've got three new episodes following the adventurers known as Vox Machina to cover today. It's been two weeks since the premiere of The Legend of Vox Machina's second season, and we're now past the halfway point, covering one of the iconic fan-favorite arcs of Critical Role's first campaign. This second season has thrown our adventurers up against a foe they cannot match, forcing them to grow and adapt in their quest to foil the plot of the Chroma Conclave. And to say anything further than that at this juncture would be getting us into spoiler territory. We're about to dive into episodes 7 through 9 of The Legend of Vox Machina's second season. So if you haven't caught up yet and don't want to hear any plot points, cast Muffle on this video and then come back when you have. Hey, what you doing? If you remember, episode 6, Into Rhymecleft, left Vox Machina escaping certain doom for a less certain doom. The party was separated when the dragon Umbrasil disrupted Keyleth's spell to transport them to the next vestige. And as any role-playing gamer knows, you never split the party. Vax, Vex, Percy, and Keyleth ended up in the Fey Realm, which is based on the Feywild in Dungeons & Dragons lore while Scanlan, Grog, and the Very Wounded Pike ended up somewhere else entirely. And to top it all off, Umbrasil now has possession of Myth Carver, the second vestige of divergence that Vox Machina found. And that's where Episode 7, The Fey Realm, begins. So here we go. Vax, Vex, Percy, and Keyleth try to make sense of their surroundings in the Fey Realm. It's definitely not what they're used to back in Tal'Dorei. The rules of the Fey Realm are different than the material realm that they're used to. The plants just straight up eat birds here. We also see what looks like a Falcor-style luck dragon, but it's a rabbit. And just like that, I want to go back and play Breath of the Wild again. Keyleth is worried that without Pike and Grog, they don't have their healer or their muscle. And Vex fills in that without Scanlan, less dick jokes. Although, <clears> hmm. <throat> Methinks she means fewer dick jokes. <laughs> Percy fancies himself a bit of an expert on the Fey Realm, having read everything he could on the subject as a kid. However, he often ends up at a loss of information, both due to the nature of the Fey Realm and how the realm itself is reacting to Vax. Ugh, this is so stupid. When traveling through an Awoken Grove, Percy advises them to project positivity because the location will react to their moods. Which confirms that the character Perito from Puss in Boots The Last Wish would have done great here. Go watch Puss in Boots The Last Wish if you haven't yet. It's great. But after a little plant attacking action, we cut back over to the other members of the party. Scanlan with the injured pike and the cursed Grog. Grog's sword, Craven Edge, voiced by Matt Mercer, sucks Pike's blood off the ground and grows bigger. Craven Edge then tries to turn Grog against his two friends, but Grog manages to resist long enough to try to destroy Silas Briarwood's evil sword instead. But Craven Edge gets its last words in, saying it's going to take Grog out with it, before erupting into a blood geyser that feels like it belongs in the Overlook Hotel. Gross. But cool. But also very cool. Back to the Fey Realm, the bulk of Vox Machina follows a floating stream. Vax sees another vision of his undead self. This is some heavy foreshadowing to what will possibly take place in a future season of The Legend of Vox Machina. Now, while we are talking spoilers for these episodes of the show, we're going to try not to get too, too far ahead. But suffice it to say, Vax's service to the Matron of Ravens and the Fey Realm tie heavily into his fate. Vex takes off on her broom and finds that creature that we saw earlier following them. 
It's a satyr writing in a book. Hey, what you doing? <laughs> he's named Garmili, and he's played by that fool of a took, Billy Boyd. Fool of a took. Garmili's been, I just love rolling the R's on that. Garmili's been drawing some of his own critical role fan art. Why do I have three peni? This is a reference to a Campaign 2 character who also maybe can't stop drawing dicks. But more importantly, Garmili can tell them not where they want to go, but where they need to go. Back on Taldori, Grog wakes up. He's healed, but there's a problem. Oh, goats! I'm as beauty as Max! He's lost so much muscle mass, he looks like Christian Bale preparing for a new role. <laughs> They're off to find an elixir that can bring muscles back, and Grog's having a bit of an existential crisis about it. I get it, dude. I don't know what I'd do without all my muscles either. Don't make a comment about that. I know it was a joke. We get another excellent traveling song set to a montage where Grog is just having a real rough go at it, being used as a raft, meeting a wolf with his privates. This song is actually a fun reference to the running gag from Critical Role Streams that involves singing Making My Way from Vanessa Carlton's hit A Thousand Miles. It was really hard for me not to just break out into song right now. Pike thinks that Scanlan, the caregiver is very, very sweet, even when he mentions wearing a naughty nurse's outfit. <laughs> Speaking of fan art, <laughs> come on. Back in the Fey realm, Percy is confronted by a farting Garmili who leaves behind a golden pile of <laughs> I love this show. Some blob monsters then react to Vax before forming an amalgamation that attacks the party. Keyleth wild shapes into a jackalope and Vex rides Trinket. Their attacks aren't working against the creature, but Vax realizes that it's after him and runs off. However, Keyleth and Vex are affected by spores, which leads them on a drug trip. Keyleth has a moment with some plants before puking up colors. We've all been there. And Vex manages to talk to Trinket, voiced by the OG of stoner comedy, Cheech Marin. You are super f***ed up. This is a little history lesson here. Cheech, along with his comedy partner, Tommy Chong, made up the duo Cheech and Chong, who practically invented the stoner comedy genre in the 70s and 80s, and are everyone's dad's favorites. So stoked to hear Cheech as Trinket. Great casting. I know, right? <laughs> but we're wondering if this moment during the drug trip is a reference to the big bad of Critical Role Campaign 2. And we know that Amazon is working on a Mighty Nine animated series, so we don't think it's too far of a stretch. Vax sees the Matron of Raven's face before Percy helps Vax take the ooze down by electrocuting it in a floating stream. He knows that his connection to the Matron of Ravens has the Fey Realm all hot and bothered. Garmili arrives again. He's going to guide them to the Shade Merc and the Fenthrus Bow because they've entertained him. But let's check in with the big bads. Umbrasil reports the importance of the Vestiges of Divergence. Plus, their plan of ascending to godhood is finally revealed. Important to note that Anna Ripley is still hanging out with Umbrasil. And a final check-in with the Taldori contingent of Vox Machina. They've arrived at the house that they sought, but that's all we get with them until the next episode. And back in the Fey Realm, Garmili leads them to a city. Through it is the quickest way to the Shade Merc Bog, but it's the city Syngorn. If you'll remember, it's where Vax and Vex grew up with their father. It's also where Allura wanted to check in on during last week's episodes. Looks like the twins are going to have to deal with some daddy issues. <laughs> also, Garmili describing himself as a traveler caught our attention and is potentially our second reference to the Mighty Nine this episode, but we're going to get deeper into that shortly. And finally, during the closing credits, we get a reprise. Reprise? 
of Making My Way, sung by the wonderful Laura Bailey. And now it's time for episode eight, titled Echo Tree. The Fey Realm contingent of Vox Machina sneaks their way through Syngorn, and we get two cameos at the same time because the nice Melons guy is the series showrunner Brandon Almon, and the elf in the background has gotta be Matt Mercer. Matt, watch. Vex explains that in times of danger, the elders of the city have arcane methods of moving it to the Fey Realm for safety. This is done utilizing magical artifacts called Threshold Crests. But when they're caught by guards, Vex pulls a Gretchen Wieners and name drops Daddy, Ambassador Vassar. Dad's wife, Devana Vassar, admits that they weren't expecting to see Vax and Vex, which no sh**. But the duo are pleased to meet their half-sister, Valora. We're expecting Valora to play an important role in the next season. From there, we meet the bad dad himself, Sildor Vassar voiced by Joel from The Last of Us video game, Troy Baker. Back to Taldori, Scanlan and Pike have brought Grog to Pike's great-great-grandfather, Wilhan Trickfoot, played by the Fonz, Henry Winkler. Hey, cool. Pop-Pop is glad to see Pike in real vestments, but is dismayed at Grog. Hi, Pop-Pop. I f***ed up. Back in Syngorn, Sildor reveals that they retreated once Iman fell to train to fight against the Chroma Conclave. He thinks his kids are wasting their time seeking the rumored Fenthris bow. Vex de-escalates things and asks for help. They're granted passage through Syngorn, which honestly doesn't seem like much help, but again, Sildor is a bad dad. Percy stands up for Vex, wanting to include a full title for her. Lady Vexalia, Baroness of the Third House of Whitestone and Grand Mistress of the Grey Hunt. But Sildor ain't having it. They leave after some harsh words. What does ye mean? <laughs> Kids. <laughs> Pop-Pop makes a giant pill with spiders, which Grog doesn't think he can swallow. But as Professor Farnsworth would say, Good news! It's a suppository. Scanlan knows how to work both ends, because of course he does, and he inserts it. <laughs> Outside Syngorn, Garmeli is back to lead them to the bog. And we get some... Flirtations between Percy and Vex. He's even made her a fancy arrowhead. Very cute. But Shade Merc is home to a cursed archfey named Sondor. The key is to not submit to his voice so his sadness won't turn you. But unfortunately, Vex falls prey to it. Archfey are extremely powerful beings able to control domains in the Fey realm. Her daddy issues give Sondor enough of an opening to exploit her pain. We've all been there. She's in the tree that contains both Fenthris and Sondor. We're just going to cover everything that happens in the Fey Realm before getting back to Grog and company. Sondor tempts Vex. He can give her the approval she seeks and grant her gifts, including the Fenthris. All he needs is her heart, but she's not having it. Her heart belongs to another. Sondor can't handle rejection, and now it's fight time. You reject me? Damn right, Twig Dick. Ooh, that's a great insult, Twig Dick. Keyleth, Percy, and Vex face off against what seems to be three corrupted dryads. But Keyleth knows how to fight a tree by now by becoming a fire elemental, which she mastered as part of her Aramente. It's cool as hell. Vex gets some good hits in, but Archfey are incredibly powerful. What aids her in the end is the arrowhead that Percy made her. Very, very cute. Very cute. She stabs Sondor in the heart, and he melts into goo. Boom! Ventress secured but she's not ready to rub her success in Papa Sildor's face. She's maturing. Good for you. I feel more grown, more mature. Garmeli arrives to portal them home as a reward for entertaining him more in two nights than he's had in two millennia. It's when they leave that Garmeli's true form is shown. It's a different archfey named Artagan, 
a favorite character of Matt Mercer's, which he dressed up as for the Halloween 2020 episode of Critical Role. Our tagon is also known as the Traveler and plays heavily into the Mighty Nine's adventures in Campaign 2. But don't worry, we haven't forgotten about Grog being a weakling. Wilhand explains the medicine got rid of the corruption, but his body needs a kickstart to regain its strength. I gotta stimulate myself? Okay. Shut that hand! However, their attempts to get Grog's juices flowing fail. Pike says that they can't wait for the rest of Vox Machina. They have to make their way to Westrun to find the next vestiges, the gauntlets that Scanlan saw in his vision. But Grog doesn't want to go. He knows who has the gauntlets, saying, Those gauntlets belong to my uncle. He killed me with them. Hell of a tease! And that gets us to episode 9, A Test of Pride. We open on a flashback to young Grog Strongjaw's bad boy days, pillaging, looting, and murdering as part of the herd of storms led by his uncle Kevdak. He even kills Matt Mercer! <gasps> Shocking! The legend of Vox Machina refers to Goliaths as half-giants instead, which fits in the Taldori D&D campaign setting as well. But when we're back to the present, Westrun seems abandoned, until we see some herd guards play boulder parchment shears to kill someone. Grog's not looking forward to meeting with Kebdak with his Titan Stone gauntlets, especially in Grog's weakened state. Looks like Grog is finally going to have to learn where his strength comes from, because you know they've got... Bad blood. Scanlan goes to infiltrate Westrun and get the vestige by turning himself into a dragonfly. While Grog and Pike wait, he fills her in on his history with violence. Nothing changed him from his path until he met Wilhand, Pike's great-great-grandfather. <gasps> Grog saved Wilhand from his cousin Zanror before they're caught escaping by Kevdak. After Grog gets the beating to end all beatings, he's left for dead and banished from the herd of storms. Wilhand returns with a young Pike who heals Grog. Pike's appearance is different because this is before she died and was resurrected. Pike has never heard the full story before, but she tries to reassure Grog he's not the same person that he was. He's a do-gooder now and her best buddies. Interspersed with this backstory is Scanlan searching Westrun and taking in Umbrasil's destruction. Oof, that dragon really equipped this place. He overhears Zanror say that someone needs to stand up to his father, Kevdak, and take over the herd. At this moment, Scanlan turns back into his normal self. He manages to hide before being found by the herd, but he runs into the unlucky people who have been hiding for the past week or two after the dragon and marauder attacks. Also, Scanlan says Ocupado right here, which means occupied in Spanish, which makes Scanman an honorary Mexican. Orale! The gnome Kaylee recognizes the name Scanlan Shorthalt because she's a bard in a band, Dr. Dranzel's traveling troupe. Matt Mercer voices Dr. Dranzel. Matt, watch! They've heard of Scanlan's music before, making him kind of famous, which makes sense. His music's very good. Scanlan wants to sneak off and get help from his friends, but Kaylee is convinced he's just going to run off. And if it seems Kaylee is giving Scanlan a hard time, it's because she recognizes him for another reason. We said we try not to give too many future spoilers, but suffice it to say, they're related. There you have it. Scanlan promises to help the rest of the gathered townspeople escape, including a tabaxi mother and child. Those are my favorites, cat people. But their flight has been complicated by the arrival of Umbrasil and Anna Ripley. Umbrasil squeezes the herd for more gold, and if he doesn't get more in three days, he'll take Kebdak's arms. Zanror thinks they should be hunting dragons instead of submitting to them, but he gets punched out by Kebdak. 
Grog and Pike sneak into the city to find Scanlan by pretending he's killed her. They definitely had to kill a pig to pull that one off. Sorry. <laughs> Scanlan uses Kaylee's flute to perform his bard magic as they sneak through the city. They run into Grog and Pike and manage to get out to safety when they see the herd being summoned away. Except for Grog. If he leaves, then he's as weak as Kevdak said he was. And now Grog knows the source of his strength. It's not about being big and hitting hard. It's about standing up for the little folk. Standing up for the little folk like me. Short King Summer. So that's why it's no surprise that when Kevdak throws his son off the balcony after a Matt Mercer cameo, now watch, and asks if he has any challengers, Grog steps up to the plate. It's another cliffhanger, leaving us with no choice but to just wait with bated breath for the final batch of season two episodes, which drops next week. But in the meantime, what do you folks think? What was your favorite moment in episodes seven through nine? What other critical role references or Easter eggs did you spot? Oh, I did heard someone say hundreds before. <laughs> um, is that a lot? Let us know in the comments below. Thanks so much for watching, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com. Short Kings!